number three, the Pete Callender Show. I'm the Pete of this here show, News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Phone number 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. The email is Pete at the Pete Callender Show. Get the podcast at WBT.com. Uh, any of your favorite platforms, the Pete Callender Show.com. Uh, and it comes right to your smartphone or tablet. In fact, you already got the first hour. It's already, it's already there. Right? So why are you listening to me right now? You should be listening to the pot. No, I'm kidding. Um, but it's a great way to catch up on episodes that you might miss and uh, all condensed down for your listening enjoyment. So, uh, all right. So the, we've been talking about sort of traffic in, in general, uh, but there was this, there's this specific case about the Chick-fil-A rezoning that's coming up, and people have strong feelings about Chick-fil-A and about traffic. And so I got a couple more messages, but then I'm going to pivot here because there there is a larger context about uh, these types of decisions and these arguments that uh, not just Charlotte has, but everybody's having them, except, I guess, cities that are dying, right? But they're having different arguments. So I got this one from – this is from Chip, who says – uh, Pete, remember, Chick-fil-A is God's chosen chicken. I wasn't aware of it. I did not know God chose it. <laughs> and uh, Aaron says, I thought I heard that Chick-fil-A was opening another store on Wendover Road. That would be like two miles from that other store. Indeed, you are correct, Aaron. I've got a piece here from uh, Sam Spencer, who is the uh, former chairman of the Charlotte-Mecklenburg Planning Commission. I remember Sam when he was a mere babe in the woods in local politics. Uh, and then uh, he's a big uh, uh, he's big in the Democratic Party. He's run for various offices, I think, before. and uh, But, yeah, he was on the Planning Commission. He was chairman of the Charlotte-Mecklenburg Planning Commission. So he wrote a piece at yallweekly.com. And a, a says a proposal for a new Chick-fil-A drive-thru is not well received by the city council and urban activists. The issues surrounding the restaurant's drive-thru are not new. You know, the queues extend onto the arterial roads, blocking commuters, exacerbating congestion. Teenagers serve as traffic cops. Exhausts fills the air as our neighbors get in position for chicken. The Chick-fil-A on Randolph Road in Cotswold is in a five-lane, 40-mile-an-hour speed limit zone, and traffic often backs up out into the street. Um, which, what about the road diet there? What about uh, What about doing... To Randolph Road, what you did to East Boulevard. Take it down to one lane, turn lanes. What about that? It worked so well on East Boulevard. Why not Randolph Road? What's up, Cotswoldians? In order to solve the traffic jam, Chick-fil-A has filed a rezoning petition for drive through only. Um, better design, drive through lanes, and a bigger, more efficient kitchen. The Charlotte City Council had previously approved a rezoning about a mile away for a reliever Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A, look at this. Chick-fil-A is so popular, and the lines get so long, they got to call in relievers, like a baseball team. They're calling in relievers. Wendover Road near Greer Heights. Supporters of the proposal stress the operator of the existing restaurant. has been there for over two decades, giving back to the community, employing 140 people, sponsoring local charity efforts. However, at the zoning meeting, opponents of Charlotte's car culture spoke loudly against the rezoning. So why do activists in Charlotte care so much about drive throughs It's a tale of urban planning, pedestrians, climate change, and so much more. Okay, first off, the climate change connection is it's silly. It's silly. Because unless you're going to stop China from doing what they're doing, then whether or not 
Chick-fil-A gets a drive-through only uh, approval or not is it's irrelevant. It's a it's a it's a it's a zit on the butt of a flea, right? That's that's the kind of emissions we're talking about. So it's it, this is not a climate change play, and I know that's going to shock the sensibilities of the leftists. I I get it, but it's not. A, this is not about the environment. This is about look. There's also there is a nimbyism occurring here as well, right? There is a not in my backyard. There are people that do not want Chick Fil A there. They don't like the lines. They don't like the fast food. They much prefer you know some other type of restaurant they don't like the people that come to that restaurant Ugh, you know there's the political aspect of it over the past seven years the city of charlotte has overhauled its land use and zoning regulations for the first time in a generation city government created the charlotte future 2040 comprehensive plan or the comp plan a new transit-oriented development ordinance a unified development ordinance, among others. The overall effect of these changes is a city development code that is still car-centric, but less so than in previous years. As part of its comprehensive planning process, the city developed a policy map that outlines the uses we want in different parts of town. So this is part of the problem is you start making these plans and then the, the, the plans be, become you know calcified and, and rigid and you can't adapt to things. Innovations occur. So I am curious, though, why not just, I mean, go all in here. Why not just ban cars in Center City? Why not? Right? Have free bicycles everywhere, mass transit buses running around, but that's it. Ban the cars in Center City. I mean, do it for Gaia Earth, people. Um, Local cycling advocate and former Chick-fil-A employee, John Holmes, who burst into the scene when he spoke at the city council meeting against his employer, this rezoning petition, right? I believe he like spoke against it and then, or wrote a letter to the editor maybe, and got fired. And he says, while Chick-fil-A will stress that this rezoning to drive through only is going to alleviate traffic, this is a false notion. The business model inherently strives to gather more and more customers and subsequently suffers from the urban planning phenomenon known as induced demand. The more lanes that a Chick-fil-A builds to take on traffic, the more traffic is subsequently experienced. This is what, uh, in the first hour, I believe, uh, his name is uh, Christian. This is what he was arguing, right? The more lanes you build, they just get filled because people drive them, right? Think about it. I mean, in your own life, right? If if you know that this particular road is a is is a clearer path to get where you're going, are you going to go down the clearer path or are you going to go down the congested path? No, you're going to take the clearer road. Well, everybody else realizes that too, and so then they all get on that road. <laughs> now you've got more. Uh, now you got more cars, right, on the roads, and. People are, this is, see, this is why I kept using the word force, because that is, in fact, what occurs through these policies, right? You're, you're nudging, but then you're eventually pushing. You're forcing people to make decisions where to live, how to live, where to drive, if they can drive at all, whether they buy a car at all. You're doing these based on policy. And so there is this kind of, this nimbyism approach, which is, you know, I still need my car. I'm going to live out in the suburbs, but you shouldn't. Look, you know, if I was 20 years younger, I would have 
I would love to live in South End. I tried to, I looked all over Uptown Charlotte, all over the, the, the area to try to find some place to live when I was young. I was an urban pioneer. That's why I ended up uh, in East Charlotte. I found, I, I could not afford no dot. It was already exploding. And I knew that the, the, the trolley line was going to come down Central Avenue. Didn't realize how soon. Thanks so much, former Mayor Anthony Fox, for leapfrogging that for your political uh, gain. But anyway, um, I knew that was going to be coming. And so I, I thought, well, this area here is going to get it's going to get sort of in a pincher uh, or a pincer move, and it's going to get pinched, right? It's going to it, all the development's going to meet right in that area, and I was right. I just I was like 15 years too early, but I was the kind of person that would go and live in those urban environments. I wanted to go there, but there wasn't any housing back then. Now we got all sorts of housing, but this is what a city looks like. Now you're going to keep forcing what more and more residential into uptown. Or are you going to force offices into Uptown? And this is like, this is going to be the challenge. you got a core city, the core, the urban core, right, that's got a lot of office space. People aren't really too thrilled about going back to work in the offices. But even if they do, you end up with everybody pouring into the center city. And this has been the focus. And I'm just suggesting maybe it's time for a downtown also. Right? We got Ballantyne, that's its own area. South Park, its own area. Maybe it's that we got South End, but South End, for, I remember when they were like, we're part of uh, Uptown Center City Partners. Like they wanted to be like hooked into the Center City Partners. But South End is its own thing. It needs to be its own thing. Now everybody's got their, what they call it, Loso and, and uh, Fremo or whatever it's called. Like all of these crazy names are coming up. What's the one for Monroe Road? Mora, I think. Right, Rama Road, Mora. It's like okay, stop trying to make Mora happen, okay? But no, oh, I'm kidding. I don't do whatever you want. I don't live there. You can have whatever name you want, folks. But maybe it's time for more cores. Maybe we shouldn't be trying to direct everybody, forcing everybody to go into Center City for all the office gigs. You know? Maybe have maybe spread that stuff around a little bit. What do I know? I'm just a radio guy, just spitballing. Because I'm all about solutions. Hey, uh, on Friday, got a couple of bands you might want to see. Village Green and Southern Express. They're going to both be at the 31st Annual Union County Crime Stoppers Barbecue along with me and uh, all of the hosts here at WBT. Broadcasting all day, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. But the event kicks off at 11. At 11 a.m. 11 a.m., they're going to have live music. going to have uh, local, state, federal officials are going to be there. we got presentation of the uh, Law Enforcement Officer of the Year Award. And, of course, all of the barbecue. It's the 31st Annual Union County Crime Stoppers Barbecue this Friday at the Union County Ag Center in Monroe. Event details, go to the Crime Stoppers website, unioncountycrimestoppers.com slash barbecue. Tickets are 10 bucks a piece. By the way, it's a nonprofit organization of citizens against crime in Union County. See you there. All right, so real quick, Sam Spencer writing at yallweekly.com talking about this Chick-fil-A rezoning, but he says the argument over the rezoning is a microcosm of planning issues facing Charlotte going forward. And then he says, 
Do we stay true to our values or bend the rules when it's convenient? Okay, get, I think it's a false choice. Uh, but if we are going to stay true to our values, I think staying true to our values means uh, we approve the uh, the car-centric development because those are our values. They have been. Now, I know there are progressives that want to change those values, right? They want to make us more pedestrian-friendly, want to get people out of the cars, Right, but that's not what our values have been for a long time. A couple of more tweets here. Ikifu says, it's mostly kids stopping by after school and before their extracurricular activities. What do people have against kids? <laughs> uh, Eric says, they would ban the cars if they thought they could. Hating cars is a core tenet of the far left. They hate the freedom of movement enabled by cars and want to force people into dingy mass transit. Yeah, see, the biggest challenge in getting people to use mass transit is the mass transit. That's true. That's not even a joke. Not a, not a joke. Not a joke. To quote Joe Biden. It's not a joke. It's true. The biggest challenge is the, is the service. It's scary. It's dirty. It's not on time. It's not convenient. You got to make multiple transfers. If you're going any direction except to center city, right? Oh, my gosh. It's called Freemore West. They've got three of them on there? Good Lord. Unless the city is... This is from uh, Deacon on the Twitter machine. It's uh, it's a Pete tweet. Unless the city is going to redo that entire intersection because it's a cluster regardless, they should just sit down. <laughs> right. This is my point. Everybody wants to make this Chick-fil-A about the larger issue of traffic or a car-centered uh, development and all this, but it's, it really isn't. That, that horse left the barn. Unless you're going to raise that building to the ground and not have any development whatsoever there, I don't know why this is a worse idea. If anything, it's going to move traffic faster. Now, if you don't want there to be any fast food joints on Randolph Road, well, then I guess, you know, zone for that. Um, this is from... The Charlotte Observer piece by Gordon Rago from the other day uh, talking about this, uh, the concern about traffic. And he talked about down at the Arboretum area, and that's all terrible. I avoid that area, too. And that, by the way, that's, that is what happens. People avoid these areas because the traffic is so terrible, and then they just stay in their own areas, which thereby reduces the traffic from growing in those already congested areas. So they, he talks about the strategic mobility plan. It's like $14 million for a congestion mitigation program. And one of the target areas is South Charlotte. City officials, this is my favorite part of the article. City officials have been tackling the issue like taking a trip to Austin, Texas. <laughs> That's the way. Have you been to Austin, Texas? <laughs> I have. You know what they complain about? The traffic. <laughs> but okay, sure, let's get some lessons. Uh, they, they took a trip there to look at its transportation system because voters there approved a $7 billion transit plan that calls for 27 miles of light rail and bus rapid transit lanes, among other things. County Commissioner Laura Meyer, who represents the South Charlotte District, was on that trip with other officials. And Meyer's takeaway was the Charlotte region and leaders need to... Educate the public about the importance of public transportation. I am curious. 
How many bus trips does Laura Meyer take every day? How many of her trips does she take using mass transit? But once again, what is it? This is the classic. The classic response is always, we just need to educate you. See, you just don't know about the superiority of our ideas because we haven't communicated it effectively to you or you just haven't heard it. Because once we've communicated it and you've heard it, of course you're going to agree with us. Why won't you agree with us? Everything, every time. It's always the same reaction these people have when people don't do what you told. Get in that bus. Get on that train. I mean, not for me. I'm going to ride my car. Talk 1110-993-WBT. The transit issue, the traffic issue, congestion, right, infrastructure, these are all part of a larger uh, basket of issues, including crime and homelessness. And all of these together, this basket raises an existential question. Do cities have a future? The great core cities don't die, says Joel Kotkin at National Review the other day. He says, uh, But they have to be willing to change. If they don't change, they will die. Today, the world's great cities, such as New York or London, face dramatically changed conditions, notably the rise of remote work, fears from the pandemic, and rising crime. So this this argument over the Chick-fil-A rezoning is a much broader argument. People that are trying to make it about climate change, eh, it's a little too broad. It's not quite the planet. Let's not go all the way to the planet level. But it is a bigger issue, right? It's cities are facing growing pains, and what was required and known at the time is now maybe not required and known now. It's just things change. Parameters change. Like, for example, do you know why roads are as wide as they are? The original roads were developed based on what? Wagons. And how, so, wagons were, were what? Designed around the width of a horse. So, literally, road design, right? Designed by a horse's rear end. And we follow trading paths, which were carved by, essentially, right, hunters who would follow packs of wild animals. So, a lot of our, a lot of our road design was done by animals, which makes a lot of sense, really, when you drive around. <laughs> it does make a lot of sense. Norma, welcome to the program. How are you? Hey. Hey. How are you? Good. All right. Um, case in point, impact fees, if the state of North Carolina would charge impact fees to developers, the money is up front. Developers would have to pay the money uh, per whatever they wanted to build. That money is set aside for road infrastructure, for fire and safety, for schools. North Carolina doesn't do that. They just let the builders build whatever they want. And the heck with the roads. We're still going to have congested roads, even worse, mm-hmm. and not, not maintain roads. Case in point, I'm just driving down Dixie River Road, two-lane road, uh, windy, no shoulders. And they're built, they're built in the river district. Mm-hmm. 
They're not charging these people impact fees. These builders will build these huge complexes and never improve the roads. They'll wait for the city to do it. The city's not going to do it. Well, it might even be a state road. It might even be a state Uh, road. Yeah, it might not even be a city road. North Carolina has so like most of the roads that you drive on are state roads, Um, and and so the. But now I do know with like the River Art or the the River District rather, um, they're they are like they're doing all of the infrastructure, but their the road system that they're putting in, like the private developer is building all of those roads, and they'll build them to city specs, um, and then they turn them over to the to the city for maintenance afterwards. And also on the impact fees, I, I can tell you that, no, we don't, the developers uh, don't, the, the, there's no tap fees or impact fees like that. However, uh, the developers don't pay that. The homeowners do. No, they don't. Right. The, the people who buy the homes pay the impact fees. So it's not like developers are getting gouged. They just jack up the price on everybody's home that they're selling by whatever the impact fee is. Right. But the impact fee money goes towards improving the roads and help with the schools and with your fire and safety. Yeah, but so does the property taxes. We're just adding more to more development with no monies coming in to all the other things. That's going to be end up on the taxpayers. No, the, 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 well, no, yeah. I mean, the money, well, first off, if you have the developers charge the money on an impact fee, that's going to go to the government. That becomes, quote, taxpayer funds as well, because now the government's controlling right. it. But also the people, once they move into the homes, once the, whole, the homes get built, now you're getting charged property taxes, and that pays for the, the services that, you, that you've set. Right. Right. So that is already on the taxpayers' back already. I mean, the, the cost of development is already being paid by the taxpayers. There isn't somebody else that's going to – there isn't someone else that we can – uh, that we can drag over and have them pay for the costs of growth. But it's the new homeowners that are helping to pay those impact fees and what the new development is putting on the, the infrastructure that we already have. I mean, none of our roads are taken care of in the city. Well, then, okay, so hang on. So why just the new people? Why shouldn't everybody pay the impact fee? Well, I agree. With any new development. No, I no, 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 no. I mean, every, I mean, everybody. Why just the new people? Because, I mean, you're still driving on the roads, right? If you've been here for 30 years, you're still driving on the roads. I agree. Yeah. And my tax dollars are paying for that. So are the new peoples. But the builders should be putting the infrastructure in. Other states do this. They make the roads improvements before they start building more homes or businesses. Charlotte does that. The road facilities are there for the new Charlotte requires builders to improve the roads. If you go up, for example, Highway 160, Steel Creek Highway, if you go up that road, you'll see there are parts of it that are really, really wide, but they're they're painted over with, like, the white stripes. That's because the city required those apartment developers to to widen the roads. That was part of – and that's part of why they do, like, these long-term plans. Is So they say, like, Highway 160 is going to be a four-lane road at some point. And the developers actually, in order to get approvals, they – they they pay the bribe basically. They say, "All right, fine, we'll pay to widen the roads in this area," but they're not going to pay. The, the developer on like mile two is not going to pay to widen the road all the way up to mile ten. They're not going to do that. They don't own the property. That's not there. That that shouldn't be on them. But most of the roads that new roads that get built in Charlotte are built by private developers. That's they they build them. The city tells them what to build to. And in fact, what a year or so ago, the city changed their codes. And required like a more expensive 
uh, material or layer to be put down or something, and it, it it drove the cost up for these builders. And they said he doesn't care. That's just a that, that's just a you know mandated expense that they had to eat. Um, so like again, like there, there's nobody there's nobody out there. Uh, former Governor Jim Martin used to say this old uh, it was a joke. It was a rhyme, and he would say, "See that man behind the tree? Go tax him. Don't tax me." And that's. That's the prevailing sentiment. That's the idea with impact fees is like, okay, I got here. I didn't pay anything, but I'm paying property taxes now. So now I want to charge everybody else that comes in after me. But they're going to be paying property taxes too. So you just want to, you want them to pay twice, right? No, I'm not asking them to pay twice. Okay. I'm asking the builders. They're not to, going to pay. To pay up front. They don't it's pay that. So much. They're going to get, but they huh? don't pay that. They don't pay that normally. It comes back. To them, because, all right, so if the builder is going to, they're going to build a, a piece of land and it's going to cost them $100,000, and then you slap them with a $5,000 impact fee. Okay, so they they, uh-huh. they kick in five grand ahead of time. Then what do they do? They build the place and then they charge the homeowner $105,000. The homeowner is paying that tax, not the builder. Well, I agree. Right. So they, you're, they so. Pass it on to the, they pass it on to the, to whoever's buying the new home. Right. I agree. Right. Yeah. Right, so yeah. so the fact that when you moved into your home, wherever that was, if the road existed before you moved in, you should have to pay towards that road, no? Why don't yeah. you have to pay yeah. up front? The road is there. Why shouldn't you pay up front, too? Well, I agree on that. Right, but, well, so this is what I mean. So, yeah, I mean, But that's the way we do the it. Roads, yeah, but some of, the, some of these roads are not, they're not uh, efficient enough now to, carry all the construction. Oh, I, I completely agree. Buildings, and then they allow them to build, develop more, right. even though the roads are not maintained or, or, or uh, already, right. they're, over, they're overtaxed. Right. And that's right. And that's because the city isn't funding the core services. It's not funding road expansion. And this gets to the whole argument over the Chick-fil-A deal, because yeah. they don't want to build roads. Building, and this is why their transit plan has now uh, uh, been tanked, is dead on arrival, according to the Speaker of the House the other day, because it doesn't include any kind of road improvements. It's not They're not expanding roads. And so how do you have this $14 billion transportation plan and not include expansion of roads? So because they don't want to expand roads. They want the congestion in order to force people out of the cars and get onto bicycles, ride to the train station, ride to the bus station, and take mass transit. I think that's the, that's the play. Look, I appreciate the call. It was a great discussion, Norma. Thanks so much. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. No, and I understand Norma's frustration uh, before the break. Norma called uh, talking about, like, how to pay for the infrastructure improvements. Like, that's the, that's the key. So this is – so my belief is that we have the money. We just spend it poorly. The money exists in the city, in the county, in the state level. We just don't fund things to the extent we should be funding them, our core services. And this, I, I, I hammer on this all the time with schools, local government, right, that, that they have grown. I mean, think about it. The city of Charlotte's budget is like, what, $1.5 billion at this point? The amount of money that they spend on... Things that are nice to have, but not required. In other words, things outside of core services. You know, it's always the case. It's always the case. So the the, the frustration 
that Norma has is that the, the infrastructure is not keeping up with growth. And that is always the case, by the way. You, you can never keep up with growth because growth is coming from the private sector, basically. And the private sector is way more adept at adapting and moving quickly. Right? The private sector can move assets and capital and break ground and get projects done. The only thing that slows them down is, in fact, government. Right? So you're always going to be playing catch-up, which is why you try to draw these plans for infrastructure improvements you know, on a long-term horizon. And then it becomes a matter of funding. And the city – I mean, look, the, the, city, the city spent a lot of money on a streetcar project that's crap. That was a mistake. But as I said yesterday, you know, it got Anthony Fox elected mayor and propelled him into his lavish lifestyle he now enjoys. <laughs> so it's really worth it, isn't it? All right, let me get Jim on here before the end of the program. Hello, Jim. Hey, hey. good afternoon. Hey, how are you? Good, good. Hey, a couple quick comments. In uh, the, uh, the city, when they built roads years ago, they didn't require sidewalks. Now they require sidewalks on both sides of the street. Mm -hmm. I was on the planning commission years ago, and I made a suggestion if you tore down a house and it didn't have a sidewalk, that you should uh, have them put a sidewalk in. That way you would have all the sidewalks eventually put in after you tear down the house. uh, Yeah, and that is, uh, I believe that is the case. Any improvements now have to get the sidewalks. I, well, I don't know if it's an individual house, but it's the same concept that if everybody does a little bit at a time, all of the like all of the rezoning petitions, all the redevelopments and stuff, they all have to build out with the sidewalks, and so little by little by little, it, you fill in the gaps. It's not required. It's It should be required, but it's not. So if you tear a house down and it doesn't have a sidewalk, you don't have to put a sidewalk in. You you wait for the city to come along, pass some bonds, right, and put the sidewalk in, which is ridiculous. Well, and I think it depends also, though, on what kind of redevelopment you're doing. Like, I like if you do a house for a house, I think yeah, you're, I think that's right. But if you, if I recall, like if you're doing, if you're swapping out one house for, well, I don't know if they're like I'm thinking triplex or duplex or quadplex or something like that. I'm not sure what the new UDO says, but. No, that's interesting. But on the commercial side, uh, they, they do make you do that, and that's how you end up with some sidewalks that like end. You know, they like it's like just stops because somebody's next door property they didn't redevelop, and so they doesn't have the sidewalk. Yeah, I appreciate the call, Jim. It's uh, like, and they got a lot of pushback at the time because people were like, "I don't like sidewalks. I don't want sidewalks. I don't want to pay for sidewalks." I got a message here from somebody who says, uh, "Mike says I wish I did not have a sidewalk in front of my house." With sidewalks come dog walkers, and with dog walkers comes dog poop, which is true. But actually, it's not the sidewalk, because those dogs would need a walk-in even without the sidewalk. Right? That's right. The problem is the dogs. Probably need to look at banning dogs. It hurts me just as much as it hurts you. No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to—I'm not banning dogs. Come on, All right. That's a wrap for the program. Thanks for hanging out. I appreciate it. We'll see you tomorrow. Brett Winterbull's up next. Stick around. Don't break anything while I'm gone.